0: Hi and welcome to the Church Unlimited podcast. Church Unlimited is a vibrant Bible-based church in North Lakes, Queensland that is passionate about helping people discover the genuine love of Jesus. If you are currently looking for a new home church, we'd love for you to join us for Sunday worship at either our 10am or 4pm service. For more information about our Sunday service or to find out how we can best help you, head to our website at churchunlimited.com.au. We hope you enjoy this great message from Sunday service foreign land. Who's ever been to Thailand? And if you haven't yet, there'll be time later on when the borders open and we can all travel again. But I've been to Thailand. I loved it. It's so good to immerse yourself into the culture of what's happening over there. You get to see the sights, you get to eat the food. Um, If you're brave, you get to eat the food that's on the side of the road. That's real Thailand, apparently. Uh, I survived. Um, But I just love that you get to go over and you see an entirely new way of life. But you know what my favourite thing about travelling over to Thailand was? Was that I took the money that I have, and you know, if, you, if you've got like $30, you take that to Thailand, it's like a trillion baht. You can live like a king when you're travelling in a foreign nation, and you can really enjoy the best of everything. You live it up, you have the, the best lifestyle. You know, I, can, I can pay for a massage every day in Thailand because it costs, I don't even know, only like 100,000 baht, which is like 10 cents. But here's the thing that you find, as you, start to, uh, as you start to spend your money and enjoy the place, you realize that the, the way that life works over there isn't quite the same. Like when you go into the shops here, you go to Woolworths, and the price that's on the food is the price that you will pay. But you realize as you travel over in Asia that the price is not the price. <laughs> the price is actually a balance sometimes between what you think it's worth and how much they think you have. <laughs> and then negotiations begin. And at the start, it's a novelty. You know, I'll just, you know, you play a game. Like well, I will see how much I can get this for. And the joke's on you, because as a white guy, you're always paying about a thousand times more yes. than anybody else. But, and still to this day, I wear um, what the vendor assured me was a genuine Armani belt <laughs> that I bought for $2. Genuine. And it's been holding up my pants ever since and doing a great job. But I noticed something changed within me as I started to embrace the culture. You know, at the start, it's fun and you're playing the game, but then you realize, wait a minute, these guys are taking advantage of me. I know that this is not the price, and I know that if it, like an actual Thai person came, he's like paying less than half of what I'm paying, so I'm, I want local prices. And it just escalates in your mind until suddenly you're in like, an argument on the street with a tuk-tuk driver, <laughs> trying to engage his services for half a day and realizing that you're not agreeing on the equivalent of 30 cents. <laughs> And you're willing to walk away, because it's ridiculous (laughs) that I should pay so much for your services. But that's when you've got to give yourself a little bit of a reality check. Because here's the truth of it. They live over there. That's their way of life. That's their economy. Uh, That's the rules that they play by. But you know that as we go over there and we travel and we come from a much stronger economy into their place, we actually have an opportunity to give so much more and to do so much. I don't have to be tied down by the rules that they live by and by what I think is valuable over there because I come from a stronger economy. I come from a different country and so I can choose to live a different way. I could choose to be generous in that context because I'm from a different country. Let me read to you quickly from 1 Peter Chapter 2, verses 9 to 12. It says this, But you are a chosen race and a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness and into his marvellous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. And once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Beloved, I urge you as sojourners, travellers, And exiles, to abstain from the passions of the flesh which wage war against your soul, keep your conduct amongst the Gentiles honourable, so that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day of his visitation. We who are in Christ, Christians, Peter writes and says we're like foreigners from a different land and we're a different people and we carry a different culture. And because we're from a different country, do you know that we live by a different economy to everybody else in this world? And when I I say economy, I'm not just talking about money. Money is a very convenient idea to understand some of these concepts. But when we talk about the economy, we actually speak of a people's capacity to prosper and to advance. We speak about uh, the things that people value and the things that they produce, what I'll pay for and what I'll buy and how much I'll get with the money that I have. Economy speaks of a nation's wealth and their ability to use it and how they create it. And we who live according to the kingdom of God need to live according to the economy of the kingdom of God. Our entire orientation, our relationship to all of these value things of value will be different to everybody that's around us. We're going to start to think differently about it. We're going to start to behave differently with it. We're going to start to value differently things that are valued in this world and we can use the idea of money because to be honest money is just an idea right somebody scribbled some numbers on a piece of plastic and said that's money but when you carry money what you're doing is actually just carrying an idea of value and to be honest I'm glad that we do it that way because can you imagine if we still had to pop down to the shops and still just carry a few chickens and a goat with me (laughs) um, just in case I get hungry can you imagine if you had to carry your valuables with you everywhere that you went can you imagine if I had to pay Joe's dowry, the old-school way? Like, ten goats, somewhere I've got to get a cow, that doesn't even fit in the back of my car. Um, I'm, I'm going to throw in some like, guinea pigs, because Joe's dad's Dutch, and I think they like eating guinea pigs. Uh, it was just some random other Dutch person in Rockhampton that I met. <laughs> I'm so glad that we have this idea of money, that just makes life so much easier. But I don't want this, uh, when we talk about money, to think just money and dollars. What we're talking about is what we really value and what we'll give our life for and what we'll work for. So today, I'm kicking off the first of our three-part series that we have called Kingdom Economics. You know, next week we're going to be talking, um, Pastor James will be sharing about tithing. And tithing speaks about the practices that we put in place in our life that help us to honor God and be obedient to the way that he has structured the world. The week after that, he'll be sharing about prosperity, which speaks of the blessing and the promises that we receive from God as we start to live our life according to his will. Today, I'm going to be speaking about stewardship or really the principles and the truths that structure the economy of the kingdom of God so that we can look at it and we can understand how we take our place and live according to it. And the struggles that we might find as we shift from one economy, the one of this world, into another, the, the economy of the kingdom of God, and how we can do that and do that well. But not only that, there's more, because as we've mentioned, bradgeting is happening right after the service. No, Dr. Pastor Brad. And every time we say that in jest, but really it's so you can guess if... He's only two of those things. Is he a doctor, a pastor, or Brad? Is <laughs> running a budgeting seminar where it's actually it's going to start to unpack the practicalities of how you can manage your finances and your money, the things of value in your life, so that in truth, you own it and you direct where it goes so it doesn't own you and direct where you go. Can I encourage you, if you feel sometimes like money is managing your life, be a part of this seminar because yes. it will really enrich the way that you live your life moving forward. But for three years, do you know Jesus walked around uh, through the nation of Israel and he taught his followers what it meant to live within the kingdom of God, what it meant to live a life that pleases God and honors him. Now, you might want to stop me just here and say, well, Dan, Jesus was talking about spiritual things, right? Jesus was talking about the kingdom of God as a spiritual kingdom because he didn't establish a kingdom on earth. But what we really need to realize is every time that Jesus speaks about a spiritual kingdom and a new spiritual reality in our life, the the spiritual reality of our life always transforms the physical reality of our life. So as we listen to what Jesus says about the spiritual kingdom of God, of course it's going to transform the way that we live within the physical kingdom today as well. So we need to realize that living out his new spiritual reality is going to change the way that we live today. You know, that's why Jesus taught us to pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come and Your will be done here on it, like it already is happening in heaven. So we want that, the ways of God to be here on earth like it's already happening in heaven. So we're expecting, God, I'm going to change because you're speaking to me. God, I'm going to do things differently because you're speaking to me. God, I want to be different. As we live according to the things of God, it's going to cause us to reorder and reorientate the way that we live our lives. Because you can't be a part of the kingdom of God without living according to the ways of God. You can't be in the kingdom of God without living according to the economy of God and how he values and what he values. You see, Jesus spoke a lot. He spoke so much about money. Do you know um, a quarter of the, the sayings of Jesus, the verses about, that he said in the Bible, are about money? Do you know Jesus twice, spoke twice as much about money as he did about faith and prayer, if you put them together. <laughs> I know, fun fact. There's over 2,000 verses in the Bible that talk about the way that we should handle our, and use our money. He spoke a lot about it because our money, and it, or maybe it's our relationship to money, is the true indicator of where our heart is. So if you want to know what's happening in your heart, start to look at where your money goes and how you use it and what you value Because where your treasure is, that's where your heart will be also. Money represents so much of our life, our time, our ability, our possessions, our priorities, what we really value. But more than that, it reveals our heart. And you know nothing will try to take God's place in your heart like money will? Money promises. If you listen to money, it says this, Hey, Dan, don't worry, I'm going to provide for all of your needs. Dan, I'm going to reward every hard work that you do. Dan, I'm going to keep you safe and secure when times are hard. I'm going to make you happy. Money says, I'll give you a good future and a hope, just so long as you can get your hands on me. Can you see why we're so tempted to focus our lives on getting money? Because it promises so much if we would have it. Money calls to us. It invites us to give our lives to it. It invites us to spend our lives pursuing it. Jesus knows this. And this is why he said this in Matthew 6, verse 24. He says, No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate one and love the other, or he will be be devoted to one and despise the other. You can't serve God and money at the same time. He says, Comparatively, you'll love one and hate the other. That's what your relationship with it will be. When it boils down to it, when you think about how you use money, there's only two ways you can think about it. Either my wealth, my money is something that I worship. I will worship wealth. Or I'll realize the truth about money. It's a tool to be used for the real things in life. And money becomes something that I use to worship with. I'll either worship my money money, I need you, money, I trust in you, money, I'm looking to you, or I'll use my money to worship what I really value. I'll either give my life for it or I'll recognize what it truly is and I'll give it for what's truly valuable. You know, Jesus uses parables to teach us how we live according to the ways of God. And many of these parables teach us about the economy of God and how it works within his kingdom. Uh, in, the, in the parable of the hidden treasure, uh, where a man finds a treasure worth so much that he sells everything that he has so he can buy that field and grab it. He says that it, Jesus teaches me that the kingdom of God and the ways of God are more valuable than anything else in this world. And I, should give, I give up everything to take hold of the kingdom of god in the, the parable of the rich fool a man it says that a man sowed seed and received such a great harvest that he couldn't he, he physically did not have room for all of his wealth so he says you know what i've got a great idea i'll build bigger barns so i can contain more things around me and jesus says mm, sorry buddy bad idea don't you know that t- today your life is over and there's nothing that you can do with that he teaches us the wealthy god has blessed you with now use it to store up for yourself treasures in heaven where it doesn't rot and it doesn't destroy and you don't ever lose it. In the parable of the talents, where a rich master gives his servants his wealth and says, I'm going away, use it for good. And he comes back and says, what have you done? You know, he rewards the servants that create a return for him and he punishes the servant who has done nothing with it. That teaches me about ownership. God owns everything. It teaches me about stewardship. I use what God has given me. It teaches me about responsibility. God expects me to use what he gives me his return, and it promises me reward. God rewards a faithful man. But you know, if I was to describe kingdom economics I tried to put it all into a, a word or even a sentence I actually ended up with a paragraph. I want to uh, put it up on the screen to see if it works. Great. Um, this is just my words. So it's not from the Bible. there's no reference. It would be Dan, six, two. Um, kingdom economics: God is the lord and owner of everything. And everything I have is a gift and an entrustment from him to me. So because of this, I am to use everything I am, I have, and I can do to further his kingdom and to bring him glory. I am to use everything that I am and I have and I can do to further his kingdom and bring him glory. All of that could be summarized up in this one word of stewardship. That's what it means to be a steward. I am a steward of everything that God has entrusted me to do. And so as a good steward, I understand that all that I have is a gift from him to be used to bring him glory and to bring him honor. Now, as we look at that in the way that um, we see that everything comes from God to me for his purposes, we see that there's a flow to the economy of the kingdom of God. It comes from him, it goes to me, and out to others. From God to me for his purposes. There's a flow to the things of the kingdom of God. That's the principle of stewardship at work. You have to understand if I want to be a good steward, I have to carry a different spirit because when I see things flowing from God to me, I have a tendency to stop it with me. Oh, I like that God blessed me. I'm going to build a bigger barn. God bless me. I'm going to buy a nicer car. But that God says, no, use it to further his kingdom. There's a flow. And that flow out of me to others requires a certain spirit. And that spirit is called generosity. I've got to see everything that God has given me as an entrustment that I can use to bless others and to love others and to serve others. I need to do this with a heart to give and a spirit that is Generous. Because generosity is a fundamental aspect and a, a crucial truth about the economy of the kingdom of God. Because God is generous. Do you understand that God doesn't do generous things? God is generous in everything that he does. He is and does. God so loved that he gave his son. Um, when we needed forgiveness, he provided his grace. When we owed a debt, he paid the price that we couldn't. His promises to provide for all of our needs into the future according to his riches and glory. You see, God is generous. And if God is generous, his kingdom or the outworking of his will will, of course, work in generosity as well. It flows with generosity. So to live and be a part of the kingdom of heaven, we need to understand that we need to take on a spirit of generosity and live out of generosity in everything that we do. That's a challenge. It's an honest challenge. That's where it gets difficult. Because I've, like I said, I have a tendency, I want to hold on to the good things in my life. I want to keep them and use them because they will make me happy, right? Maybe? <laughs> Hopefully. We tell ourselves that it will, don't we? Oh, if I just get a little bit more, if I just have a little bit more then I'll be happy. And so li- this idea of living out of a generous spirit is pretty confronting because it's not as easy to do as I've just made it sound. And to be clear, I'm not saying that from time to time we need to have generous actions. We need to do There's not a time I'm generous where it just oh, i decided to be generous today because, to be honest, I had some things there. No, I'm saying we, more than just doing generous things from time to time, we need to carry a generous spirit where I'm looking. How can I give? God, what could I do? I need to be generous all the time with everything that I do. You see, to be a good steward, I must see everything that I have as an entrustment from God that belongs to God and is to be used how he expects me to use it. To bring him glory. I can only do that when I carry a generous spirit. A steward in the kingdom of God lives with a generous heart. It's all for him and it's not for me. That's confronting. I think that's where most of us find it's really hard. We see the principle, God, yeah, I'm going to steward everything that you give me. But then I have this habit of holding on to it. And it brings up all sorts of arguments as I start to think, God, what what if I really did that? What would it look like for me to really be a steward of everything that you give me? Well, if I gave it to somebody else, I might miss out. What about all the things that I've earned, God? What about the things that are mine? What about the things that I need? Can I really trust you? How, about, How will I ever get ahead, God, if I give everything away? How will I ever prosper in this life if, I, if everything comes through me and out to others? What if I use what I have for God, but then I don't have enough for myself? Have you ever asked these questions? Have you ever thought these thoughts? Have you ever doubted what it might look like to really be a steward in the kingdom of God? Because these thoughts just jump into my head without even trying. It just happens. Because the principle of stewardship goes completely against the economy of this world, it goes completely against the way that this world has been set up to work. Let me ask you a few little orientating questions. They're rhetorical, you don't have to answer them. Um, But I want you to think for a moment who loves a good bargain? Ah, you didn't have to respond. Rhetorical. (laughs) All right, who loves to negotiate the very best deal that you can? All right, who expects that you will have more next year than you did this year? Who hates it when you feel like you're being taken advantage of? You gave more than you thought you had to. You paid more than you thought it was worth. All right, let me talk for a minute about the world that we live in and the mindset that it creates in us. Because if the kingdom of God works off a spirit of generosity, the kingdom of this world, it runs off a spirit of greed. It's confronting when you say it like that. We live and have been immersed in a spirit of greed. I want to get the best I can for the least that I have to give so that I can keep more and consequently use it to get more. I need to keep as much as I can close to me and use it to get more. I want to get the most return for the least investment. I want my life to be full and surrounded by nice things. I want to spend everything that I have to get the things that I want. But you know, not only that, I want to spend the things that I don't even have yet yet to get more of the things that I want. I will sacrifice tomorrow to benefit today. I will pay for things with money I haven't even earned yet so I can have a, you know, you people have heard it, get things to impress people that I don't really like with things that I don't really need. (laughs) It's the way life works, right? Why should I wait when I could pay for it later? Why shouldn't I have now what I could pay for in the future? But as I spend money now, don't I start to hold tomorrow captive to decisions of last week? And I start to live in this cycle of entrapment, feeding the need for more and more and more. And we give this thought process, a bunch of good names. That's oh, just good business. Give less, get more. That's business, right? Smart investment. I'm making money. Shrewd bargaining. You take that to Thailand and see how shrewd you are. We call it consumerism. We call it keeping up with the Kardashians. But whatever pretty label we drop on it, there's a spirit beneath it. And it's called greed. I want more. In the words of the great Gordon Gecko. Summed sums it up very nicely. He said this, The point is, ladies and gentlemen, that greed, for a lack of a better word, is good. Greed is right. Greed clarifies, cuts through, and captures the essence of the evolutionary spirit. Joe's laughing because she doesn't believe that Gordon Gecko is a real man. No, he's the Wolf of Wall Street. <laughs> it's okay, you don't have to know. You just have to know what he says. And that has been summarized to this idea in business that greed is good. I need to get what I can. But as you listen to it, he says it clarifies, it cuts through, it shows true to the nature of the evolutionary spirit. It's who we really are. And the kingdom of God is completely against that spirit and countercultural to the way that our world works. And this is why Jesus' teaching is so confronting to us as we start to consider what would it really look like for me to be a steward of everything that God has given me because I was born into, I grew up surrounded by, and I've immersed immersed myself within this concept of greed and getting and taking. And so when somebody says, Dan, actually, you didn't get that in the first place. God gave it to you, and so you can give it to others. It challenges my idea of ownership and purpose and value, and it challenges my sense of security for the future. I've, I've got to reorientate my life according to the spirit of generosity, but sometimes I don't know if I can. Um, Because it's a complete odds to everything that I've ever known and everything that I've ever experienced. It goes completely against what my society has taught me. But this spirit of greed, which permeates everything, it's literally destroying the life around us. Greed takes good things and breaks them. This culture of greed greed ruins here and now. It creates dissatisfaction and discontentment with the things that you have. It sacrifices our future, making tomorrow slave to today. It causes us to take from one another, destroying relationships, ruining people. And it takes the joy from even the good things we have right now. So we don't appreciate what we have. So, I'm sorry, the great Mr. Gordon Gecko. Greed is not good. Greed is wrecking the world we live in. And we need to step out of this destructive cycle. In fact, Jesus has called us to live a different way if we would just follow after him. And in Luke chapter 12, verse 13 to 30, Jesus actually speaks exactly to this mindset and this problem, and he gives us a key that enables us to step out of this world and into the kingdom of God. I want to read it together. It's a, bit, it's a few passages, um, but as we work through, we're going to see that Jesus is answering a few questions along the way. It starts with the parable of the rich young fool. No, I've made him young. He's just rich. Um, someone in the crowd said to him, teacher. Tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. What's the beginning thought there? Teacher, tell him I haven't got enough. I need more. Give me more. Greed. So confronted with greed, he said to him, Man, who made me a judge or arbitrator over you? And he said, Take care and be on your guard against all covetousness, for one's life does not consist of the abundance of his possessions. And then he answers with a parable saying, the land of a rich man produced plentifully. And he thought to himself, what should I do? For I have nowhere to store my crops. And he said, I'll do this. I'll tear down my barns and I'll build bigger ones. And there I'll store all my grain and all my goods. And I'll say to my soul, soul, you have ample good laid up for many years. You've got a secure future. Relax, eat, drink, be merry, live a good life. But God said to him, fool, this night your soul is required of you and the things you have prepared, whose will, whose will they be? So is the one who lays up treasures for himself and is not rich towards God. And he said to his disciples, therefore I tell you, don't be anxious about your life, what you will eat, nor about your body, what you will put on it. For life is more than food and the body is more than clothes. Consider the ravens. They don't sow or reap and they have neither storehouses nor barn, yet God feeds them. Of how much more value are you than the birds? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? If then you are not able to do a smaller thing as that, why are you anxious about the rest? Consider the lilies and how they grow. They neither toil or spin, yet I tell you, even Solomon in all of his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass, which is alive in the field today and tomorrow thrown in the oven... How much more will he clothe you, you of little faith? And do not seek what you are to eat and what you were to drink, nor be worried, for all the nations of the world seek after these things. Everybody's doing it, and your Father knows you need them. Instead, seek his kingdom, and all these things will be added to you. There's a problem. It's greed, it's envy, it's desire. And there's a solution Jesus gives. Take your eyes off all of those things. Start to be obedient to me. Trust me. He says, trust me. I'm sorry, those headphones, really, that's loud. (laughs) He says, trust me. Take your eyes off everything and trust God. Isn't that where we started? I've got to trust God. He says you can live generously because you can trust God. He is faithful and he will provide. See, trust is the key to living with the spirit of generosity and walking within the kingdom of God. See, do you remember how the economy of God flows? From God to me through to others. I trust it comes from God to me and I can't let it stop there. Or else I'm starting to live like the things of this world and it doesn't work. I've got to let it go through me to others. I've got to trust God that the flow will continue. So, for every person who lives within his kingdom, God promises to provide, God promises to protect, to heal them, and to give them a good future. He says, Don't worry about every, anything. I've got everything that you need. He says, You can live without fear. He says, You can live without anxiety because I've promised seed for the sower. I've provided provided food for the hungry. I'm providing clothes for those who need it. I'll provide for everything that you need according to my riches and glory as you trust me and as you obey me. So take your eyes off what you need, he says, and, and look towards what I've called you to do. Seek first the kingdom of God and his ways, and then everything will be added to you. You see, we access all of God's promises. They're there. We access it through faith and obedience by demonstrating our willingness to live according to His will. It's a really simple idea. But in the spirit of the way that we've been doing things today, I think it would be better with a demonstration. So could I invite my... I've invited three gents up onto the stage. Leo, it's not one of you. (laughs) I've got Ruan, I've got Richard, and I've got Tyler up to show you. Just a simple little demonstration because... To be honest, we know all of this. I haven't told you anything new, but still it's difficult for us to shift from one kingdom to another, to take on and to put off the old spirit and on with the new. And so I've given them each a plate of delicious food. Come and stand over here. On the red plate, we have ham. On the yellow plate, we've got bread. Crumbs. And on the blue plate, we've got an excuse for cheese. And now... These gentlemen are going to demonstrate what it's like to pursue things the way that the world would. Now, you've got to remember that Richard has given his life up to this point for the army. It's time for him to get some of his own. He needs to get ahead in life. He's ready. Tyler, he's just started taking Georgie. Father-in-law is just watching. He's got something to prove. He needs to get ahead. Not only that, Ruan's got family to feed. And he's South African, so that's a wild card. And so I've asked them, they've got 30 seconds. And they're just going to play out the way of the spirit of this world, which is I, give, I get more and I res- and give less. I'm going to take as much as I can get and see who has the best at the end of it. So I've also asked them to have to continue to circle around like this, because in the midst of the rat race, you've got to keep moving. No, not like that. In a circle. <laughs> keep your eye on your opponent. That would be hilarious. All right. Uh, so let's do it. All right, and five more seconds. Desperate rush, desperate rush. <laughs> oh, that was the stock market in Bitcoin. <laughs> and break. Oh, okay. So just in quick summary, we've kind of got a sandwich. We've kind of got a sandwich. I'm sorry, Tiff. You've got cheese and ham. <laughs> Who feels like they started off with more? Who feels like they've got less now? All right, Tyler's done well. He's satisfied. You see how as we do things in this world... uh, (laughs) As we contend, there's been a little bit... true entrepreneur would be picking stuff off on the ground and selling it to somebody in the audience. Um, But we end up, we feel like we're getting more, but to be honest, everything's a little bit broken. Um, Everything looks worse than when we started. Some people definitely have less, and that causes hard feelings. Because they started off as friends, but to be honest, did you see the dirty hits that Ruan was doing? And Tyler just flat out lied. And what happens is, even though we're laughing about it, as you start to play this out with things that matter, relationships get broken. The things that I've been striving for as I get my hands upon them, actually, they're not as good as I thought they would be. And not only that, somebody's going to try and take it from me. So I'm constantly holding on and defending, as well as fear is driving me to take from others as well. So I'm living out this greed mentality. Now, what would happen (laughs) if I chose to be like Jesus or Ruan and said, instead of trying to take from everybody else, I started to live generously because to live according to the kingdom of God and to be a good steward, I've got to start to do the things of God. What have I got to do? I've said I've got to trust in the promises of God and I've got to start to act according to his will. I know you don't have much, but would you give that cheese? So Richard, he needs it. Now, the fear is that I'm going to have less. The fear is that now I'm going to miss out. And that's, to be honest, not much to feed a family. But it's worked off this principle of trust. And Jesus said, trust me, I'll provide for all of your needs according to my riches and glory. So let's see if we can find out what's happening under here. There's so many riches and so much glory. So as he did, as I start to act in obedience, haven't I said that, God, I'm trusting you. <laughs> because it's... He provides for my... They don't provide for my needs. He provides for my needs according to... And to be honest, God he always enjoys the good things in life as well. But so as you give... Actually, you seem, you seem to have a lot there. Can you, why don't you give a little bit to Tyler? Yeah. No, it's, it's good as you trust him. Because then you see you've actually just created room for more. And, and you see, because why would I fight over the scraps and miss out? You know, Why would I think that my way is the best and not even look at everything that God has offered me? Because God said, don't even think about this. Trust me, I'm going to reward you, not according to what you can get, but according to my riches and my glory. And these fig pickies go really well with that tip as well. And I, oh, told you there'd be collateral. But can't you see how as I, it's only as I choose to trust God, because I can't, I can't do this when I'm fighting for it. I actually have to trust God to put it in there. I have to make myself available for him. But I don't have to worry about what's not on my plate when I'm confident about what's behind me in God's provision. I don't have to worry about what I might give away when I go know that my God has promised to give seed to the sower. I don't have to hold on to what I have when he says that he'll provide for me according to his riches. And we've been talking about, you can take that and eat it. Sucked in, that's a crappy ham sandwich. <laughs> and it's a simple illustration, but it's, isn't that true of how we live our life? It's such a simple picture, but it's true that we would fight over the scraps of a To be honest, that bread is left over from Friday night, so it's not even that good. And we'd refuse to even look at and trust in the fact that God's standing there saying, I'm here to provide for all of your needs according to, your rich, according to my riches, not your ability, according to your needs. Um, if you just use what I have, you'll prosper. Because he says, I'll give seed to the sower. So as you start to sow more, it's creating a, a relationship where the flow of God moves through. Remember, from God to me through to others. Um, I need that flow to move in my life. And that's what stewardship looks like. The moment I stop the flow and hold on and say, this is mine, I'm no longer acting as a steward of God. I'm acting as somebody that's stolen from God and taken what he's given to me for others, for myself. And God can't bless that. God can't provide for that because I'm not trusting. I'm not believing. I'm not acting in faith. And I'm not living according to the spirit of his kingdom. And this is not just about money. You've got to realize that you can trust God. Uh, Jesus said, when he was teaching the disciples to pray, he said, give us today our daily bread. And I know there's some people here that say, God, I don't know if I could trust you forever, even just the minimum of my day-to-day food. But don't you know that for 40 years, God fed millions of people literally bread from heaven every day. And so when he said, give me my daily bread, he's reminding, I fed a nation for years out of nothing. Uh, He's promised that he'll heal all of your sicknesses. As you trust him, uh, there was there was a story of a lady who had been you know bleeding for twelve years, and she just reached, finally she reached out and said, "God, I trust you, Jesus. If I could just touch," and there was healing. There uh, was there was a there was a, blind, uh, a man with a twisted hand that finally, as he trusted Jesus and he brought it to him, it was made whole. There's room for every. There's provision for every need in your life. But it happens as you start to live according to the economy of the kingdom of God, as I start to trust God to provide and I use what he's given me to bless others and bring him glory. That's how the kingdom of God works, as we change from greed to generosity, as we change from a mindset, mindset, mindset of an owner and a taker to a steward and a giver. So I want to I, really today I'm just speaking to your heart. I want you to know that you can trust God with everything that you have. You can trust God for everything that you need. But it happens as you choose to obey God and believe His promises and take hold of His promises. That's how we start to be confident about our future as we reorientate our lives from the way that we have been living to the way that the Spirit works, to the way that is alignment with the kingdom of God. The world, you see, it's full of pain, it's full of brokenness, it's full of people that have been fighting for their lot for far too long. And you know, in the midst of that world, that's where Jesus said, Come. All who are weary and heavy burdened, yeah, come on. I will give you rest. He said, take my yoke upon me and let me teach you because I'm humble and gentle at heart and you will find rest for your souls. My yoke is easy to bear and the burden I give you is life. As you start to live within the kingdom of God and live with this stewardship heart of trust in the Father's provision and willingness to serve, you'll find that he cares for you. And that he takes the weight of needing to provide everything for yourself off you. He says, I'll look after that. It's an easy life. It's a gentle life when you choose to live a life that trusts in the goodness of God. Trusts in the provision of God. Can I invite the band to come up and join me on stage? But don't squash any of my strawberries. (laughs) Because the promise of God is in the midst of hardship and work. In the midst of the fight, he said, come to me. I'm going to give you rest. Trust God. There's so many examples in the scripture. You can trust him. Are they all snacking behind me? <laughs> Just tell. <laughs> You've got to know you can trust God. There was the story of a widow in the nation of Israel who would literally run out of food. And what did what did the prophet say? Well, trust God. I'm gonna. And God gave her a, a jar of oil that never ran dry. That's right. So often when we look at what we have ourselves, we can't do it. But as we bring it to God and trust him, he wants to give us life that never runs dry. There was a lady that came talking to Jesus at a well. She'd come for a physical drink. And in speaking with Jesus about real life and the way that the spirit works, she says, would you give me living water? Water that never runs dry. The kingdom of God is full of an ever-abundant, ever-flowing supply of God's goodness and grace. He will heal every sickness. He'll provide for every need. If he can make bread fall from heaven, he can make everything fall where it's needed for you. You can trust him for everything you need in this life. And more importantly than that, there's no better way you can live because you don't need to fight. You don't need to struggle. You don't need to inflict pain upon yourself and others. You can choose to step into the kingdom of God and start seeing everything that he has as a good gift to be used for his glory. In a moment, I want to close in prayer specifically though, I know that there's people here today, there's some people that your response to this is I need to start to trust God. You know, I want to be generous, but I'm trying to be generous out of what I have. And to be honest, it's not much. And my eyes are looking at what I have and it's limiting the way that I'll let God flow through me. Jesus says, seek first the kingdom of God. He says, look to me and my righteousness. And then, so I want I, I want you to Your response is just simply, God, I'm going to choose to trust you. God, I'm going to choose to rely on you. God, I'm going to choose to remind myself of your promises and your goodness. God, I'm going to speak them over my life and remind myself to live according to them. Others here in this room today, you're going to need to choose to step from an orientation of greed. I need to get and I need to take. I need to have and I need to store around me. I need to accumulate more and more good things for my life. And start to see that every good thing is an entrustment from God, to be used for His purposes and for His glory. Would you start to ask God to speak to you about, how could I be generous? God, how can I what do you want me to use this for? What have you blessed me with so that I can use it to bless others? How can I use everything that you've given me for your glory today? I'm choosing to take on a steward's mindset mindset. I'm choosing to ask you, God, speak to me about how I can minister to others with everything that you've given me. And remember, this is, not just about, this is not about money. This is about our heart and what we value and what we hold on to and what we'd give our life to get. Remember, your wealth could be worshipped or it could be used to worship God today. Choose to worship God with everything that you have. I'm also aware that there's people here today who have been in the midst of the struggle. You've not even heard of this idea of the kingdom of God. You've been doing it on your own. And today is the day where you need to find rest and life in Jesus Christ. You need to choose to step out of the ways of this world and into the kingdom of God. And that's done so simply by praying, inviting Jesus into your life, saying, God, I'm choosing to trust you with my whole heart and my whole life. I'm choosing to give you everything that I am, relying that you will provide for all of my needs, relying that you will direct my path relying that you will love me and accept me and forgive me and use me for your glory. I would love to pray a simple prayer with you, inviting Jesus into your life for the first time. So just before we do, would you stand? Because I want to pray for us. In a moment, we'll close with worship. I'd love to play that song, Make Room. Now let me pray for us all, and then in a moment I'll make space just to pray for anybody that needs to put their faith in Jesus for the first time. Father, thank you for every person that's here in this room. Lord, I thank you that you've called us. Lord, I thank you that you've given us purpose, and I thank you that you provide for every need that we have according to your riches and glory. But today, Lord, I just pray that you would be speaking into hearts and minds, that you would be shifting our spirit, Lord, that we'd be stepping into the spirit of your kingdom, Lord. We'd be stepping into a spirit of love and generosity, that we would be choosing that I'm not going to live the way that the world has taught me to live. I'm going to choose to live according to your will today, Father. And I pray that as we do, Lord, that as we choose to see ourselves as stewards of your, your riches, Lord, entrusted with your wealth for your purposes, Lord, that you'd further your kingdom, that you'd use us, Lord, to love others and bless others. You'd use us, Lord, to preach your gospel in every corner of this community. Lord, that from... From us would flow living water that refreshes its nation, Lord. I pray that you would use us to bless, Lord, and to prosper others, Lord. And that as we trust you in all things, Lord, that we would know you to be faithful and generous in our lives as well. That you would provide for every good thing that we need, Lord, according to your riches. Lord, we trust you today. We look to you today and we rely on you today in everything that we do. Thanks for joining us. We hope that you enjoyed this message. We pray that you and your family are richly blessed by the love and grace of Jesus. If you're ever in the area, we would love for you to join us for Sunday worship.